0: We know from the research that America in particular, we're the most awe-starved culture on the planet. And so these microdoses of awe have profound impact on our emotional and physical health. For example, we know from our research that there was a 35% reduction of depression from simply asking people to practice this brief moment of awe for just less than one minute a day. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't have any side effects.
1: welcome to the living and leading with emotional intelligence podcast by emotional intelligence magazine emotional intelligence magazine or eim plus as it's known for short is a one-stop resource for anyone looking to learn more about emotional intelligence in addition to articles videos and recommended books to help you develop and expand your ei eim plus offers a platform for ei coaches and specialists so they can connect with individuals who are ready to take their life or business to the next level. Learn more by visiting ei-magazine.com. That's ei-magazine.com. Or follow us on Instagram at the underscore ei underscore magazine. You can find these links and more in today's show notes. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole. And today I have the pleasure of introducing you to one of the co-authors of the book, The Power of Awe. Now, when this book came into my conscious awareness, I was a little skeptical based on the claim that within less than one minute a day, you can cultivate a state of calm and presence that I thought was only possible with years of deep meditation and discipline. So I'm really excited to share with you the power of awe and how it relates so beautifully with conscious awareness and emotional intelligence and personal and professional growth, development, and mental and physical well-being. I really think by each of us utilizing this very powerful emotion, uh, which that's also new to me. I had no clue that awe was considered an emotion. So I'm learning something as well. But if all of us could just cultivate this emotion daily, I would be so excited to see how the world would change overnight. While I would give a more formal introduction to Dr. Michael Amster, he does a really good job of introducing himself and talks about his background when I ask him to introduce himself in his own way, so I don't want to duplicate any information. However, I will put his full bio along with his co-author Jake Eagle's bio in the show notes and links that you can access more information about them, their work, and their newly released book. So, without further ado, here is Dr. Michael Amster. Michael, welcome to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm very excited to have you on, and I say that because when I read the um, the subtitle of your book, at first I was like, "Ah, this is too good to be true!" Like touting a one minute solution to find purpose and to deal with anxiety and burnout, but You really shocked me on this one. So I'm very excited for you to talk more about your newly released book, The Power of All that you co-authored with Jake Eagle. But before we get into that, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself in your own way to our listeners.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for welcoming me here, Brittany, Nicole, and it's really an honor and I'm pleased to meet your listeners and your community. Yeah. I'll share a little bit about myself. I am a medical doctor. I live in Santa Cruz, California. I work as a pain management specialist, which means that I specialize in treating all different types of chronic pain and acute pain, end of life care as well. And about Four years ago, I started studying the emotion of awe with my co-author, Jake Eagle, who is a psychotherapist in the Big Island of Hawaii. Um, And we've been working with Professor Decker Keltner at the Greater Good Science Center um, in his lab and performed two large studies on the emotion of awe and... um, continue to do research uh, on awe. We have a, a study we're running right now at UC Davis and UC San Francisco applying the awe method that we'll learn about today for people with long COVID. So um, yeah, this is something I'm really passionate about as a long-term meditator and mindfulness teacher um, and someone who's also a big fan of emotional intelligence. So thank you again for welcoming me on your show today.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. And thank you for sharing you know, I'm always curious when I interview people, especially in the space of psychology, personal development, all the things related to the self, I'm interested to know a little bit more about their backstory and how they got into that space. How did you get into that space?
0: Yeah, well, so I always wanted to be a medical doctor since I was a young kid. And as I progressed through high school and then into college and the stakes got higher, at least they felt that way to me to get into medical school, um, I started developing test-taking anxiety. And I actually had a panic attack the first time I took the MCAT, the examination to get into medical college. And um, I experienced that whole hijacking of my brain where um, my thoughts were just frozen. I couldn't think anymore on the exam. My heart was racing, You know, I was sweating, and I literally ran out of the test room crying. I was just so distraught. And at that point, I realized that I I had to learn to work with my mind. Um, It was either going to go down the road of taking medications to block the anxiety or, you know, better to learn how to work with my mind. And at that point, I got into studying mindfulness, um, did my first 10-day Buddhist meditation retreat called Vipassana. And it really took me down a 30-year path of studying mindfulness and then eventually being trained as a teacher and leading a a Buddhist meditation group um, in my community. And I've taught mindfulness to you know hundreds of patients in my clinic in a eight week chronic pain mindfulness program and really been a big fan of it. And about five, six years ago, I had a conversation with my co-author, Jake Eagle, who's also um, is a psychologist but teaches mindfulness techniques as well. And we both were reflecting on how difficult it is for people to develop a sustained practice that um, it's often really hard uh, for people to find the time and the energy and the effort to sit uh, in a structured mindfulness practice. So we are really curious about investigating ways to design a practice that would give people the same benefits, if not even more benefit on a practice that they could take off the mat or the cushion, so to speak, and then use it out in the world wherever they are, anytime, any place. Mm, and so amazing. from that came about this um the eventual uh, design of the A method and then doing our clinical research.
1: That's fascinating. This is just like a personal question, but do you believe that having that experience with the MCAT test, all of that led you, I mean, obviously it led you to where you are today. But do you believe in intention? And that was meant to be, or are you kind of like, well, it this is where I am?
0: Well, I I think that the circumstances that led up to that are, you know, part of my life story. Um and being raised by parents who were kind of had a lot of anxiety themselves and probably a fan, you know, a long-term family history of anxiety. So it was really just, um, I guess, somewhat my fate to to ultimately need to come to terms with um, my anxious mind and to work on developing and growing myself to have self-control and, um, you know, efficacy over over that part of me. And definitely intention is a big part of that. You have to have the the desire and the will um, to want to make that change. And it's, it's been a lot of effort and work over the years um and over time the beautiful thing I think with uh, developing this awe method and this practice is there's a lot of reward that comes with this I think sometimes what's hard about traditional mindfulness practice is we often don't feel a reward right away it can be really difficult to develop a practice and sustain a practice but what I love about this awe method Cause you feel good, instantaneously. Yeah. When we focus on what we value, appreciate, and find amazing, and have a moment of awe, in these ordinary moments of our lives, um, in that moment we feel refreshed and recharged and reconnected to what's important to us, and we feel really, um, we feel full in a very positive way. It's yeah. a it's a good dopamine hit, so to speak.
1: <laughs> it, it really is, and I've heard this saying like, "I was in awe of that." But I was using the term because I'd heard other people use it in a similar context, but I never really looked at the definition of what awe meant. And I never thought of it as an emotion. So for anyone listening that is like, well, what exactly is awe to begin with? And then we'll get into your acronym, awe, as well. But what is awe?
0: So the emotion of awe was formally studied beginning in 2003, Researchers in the field of psychology started looking at positive emotions in the 1990s. Researchers, part of that, were really focused on psychopathology, you know, all the bad things that are going on in the brain, like anxiety and depression, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And in the 90s, there was a shift about learning to cultivate. You know positive states of the mind. And of course, that's where the work that you do around emotional intelligence has its roots from that, that time period and the evolution of psychology. Well, in 2003, a landmark paper came out looking at awe as a distinct emotion. Prior to that, researchers thought of awe as what one of my colleagues says is the Gucci bag of emotions. We kind of would like to have one, but you don't really need it. And actually, as we've learned, awe is in many senses a master emotion that encompasses a lot of other positive emotions. So in terms of defining what awe is, in our book, we say it's an emotional experience in which we sense being in the presence of something that transcends our normal perception of the world. So if you think for a moment about a moment of awe you've had in your life in the past, a lot of times what first comes to mind might be a moment of extraordinary awe where maybe you got to visit the Grand Canyon or Yosemite or some you know, place of incredible beauty. And in that moment, you it, it shifted your perception of the world. You felt a sense of um, expansion. You felt very present. Um, you may have experienced in that moment, in time sort of expanding. It's uh, a very tranquil state of pure presence and awareness and peace. And what we have done in our research um, was really a big shift in the field of awe. So for about the first 15, 16 years in awe research, they were really studying more about extraordinary awe, looking at the both sociological and psychological impacts of awe. For example, we know from this prior research that awe is what's called a pro-social emotion. And what we mean by that is, is that within awe is all these other positive emotions. So when we experience moments of awe, we're more generous. We're more apt to give you know, generous tips at a restaurant. We're more willing to help strangers naturally. We also are more caring. We're more empathetic. We're more... Um, Open hearted, we're more willing to look at different people's points of view. um, So we're less stuck in our rigid identity. Our egoic sense of self diminishes when we have these moments of awe. And so, what's unique about what my colleague Jake and I did with our research at UC Berkeley is that we developed a very simple method to access moments of awe in the ordinary times of our lives. So you don't need to go to some awesome rock concert to get that jolt of awe. You don't need to travel to a national park. You can have awe right now in the room that you're in listening to this podcast or in the car you're in driving somewhere. Awe is accessible to us all the time. And we just need to learn to really open our eyes and our ears to find this transcendent state that is our gift of our life, like right in front of us, it's always here. And so this practice is teaching us to find these moments of awe in the ordinary, um, which we learn from our research has profound health benefits. Um, and that's also what really excites me as a medical doctor is our research is a bit of a shift in the field of awe, because. We think of from our data that this is actually a medical intervention, that having these moments of awe can, they shift our physiology, they shift our our brain, it decreases depression, it decreases anxiety, as well as decreasing chronic pain. Um, And it ties into some really neat research that my colleagues have done at UC Berkeley looking at how awe moments decrease inflammation in the body, which is really at the root of a lot of chronic illness.
1: Mm. You just saying that made me think of, um, at at the beginning, you mentioned that awe can be a collection of other emotions, other powerful emotions. And I would love for you to share what some of those emotions are, but I really think they're healing emotions, right? To your point, it reduces inflammation, better health, better physical, mental, everything. What are some of those emotions that are housed within awe?
0: Well, yeah, as I shared, uh, in terms of the research that's been done we know that people that have experiences in these studies of a moment of awe they are uh, more willing to help strangers and they're more generous in terms of their giving they also are more empathetic and more caring and more connected so awe helps us in developing healthier relationships also it creates a sense of open-mindedness and curiosity of the world around us uh, so when you look at the political spectrum, when you cultivate awe, you're less rigid in your thinking and open to divergent points of views, and really being able to hold the space of okay, I could see why someone is maybe pro-choice or someone's you know pro-life, and 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 be able to hold more of this understanding. Um, I mean, we, we really need awe more than ever in the political conversations of the world right now because of so much division. In terms of understanding how awe, you know, is working in the wiring of our brains and our bodies, um, I'll just touch on that briefly because I think it is important for the conversation. Um, we stimulate or access the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the master part of that. Is the vagus nerve? There's a lot of attention right now on the vagus nerve connected to this idea of what's called polyvagal theory. And so when we are cultivating that parasympathetic state, we are creating conditions for health, for healing, for repair, rest, we relax our nervous system. And we have a whole chapter in our book dedicated to the discussion around how important it is for us to feel safe, for healing to really happen on a deeper level. Mm. When we also access awe, the part of our brain which is the very um the busy monkey mind. It's it's what's called the default mode network. It's the it's several parts actually in terms of the anatomy. But it's the ruminating, self-absorbed state. And when we have these moments of awe, that part of the brain does quiet down. And so we're less self-centered and self-absorbed, and we're more feeling connected to all life and the vastness around us. And what really excites me. And I have moments of awe just thinking about this and understanding how awe is actually the only positive emotion that's been studied um, where we lower these inflammatory cytokines in the body. And these cytokines are some of the oldest molecules on the planet. When life evolved on earth, so the earth is over four and a half billion years old and life evolved just over a billion years ago the first organisms that were single cell organisms, they communicated with each other through cytokines. So we have this ancient system of this ancient intelligence that's in our own bodies. And that's how our cells communicate with each other, particularly within the immune system and identifying if there is a threat, something of danger versus if it's safe and you know the body can put energy in towards building and restoring and creating health and well being, and the worst of those inflammatory cytokines is what's called interleukin six, and it's implicated in a lot of chronic illness such as you know post after heart attacks, uh, we see increases of IL six and it's associated with you know cancers and all these inflammatory conditions, and even mental health illness is considered a inf- neuroinflammatory state. So awe was the only positive emotion that statistically lowered these inflammatory cytokines, which is like so incredible that these, this fleeting emotion that we can cultivate on demand through this awe method and access a microdose many times throughout the day has very profound impacts on our physiology that could have implications. And we're looking at maybe studying this in the future in teaching people to have awe moments after heart attacks to help with speeding up and repair of the heart tissue that has been damaged. And right now we're actually doing a study on patients with long COVID, which is definitely uh, an inflammatory state um, and hoping that this methodology will help those patients as well.
1: Mm. So what I'm hearing is awe is kind of a, a stew of love, compassion, curiosity, and understanding Almost all wrapped up into one. And when I talk about love, I don't, you know, I I think the context in which we refer to love is very superficial and conditional. But when I'm referring to love, I'm referring to almost that sense of awe and appreciation, the lack of judgment there. Um, So that's fascinating because people say, you know, loves the answer. Well, if awe leads to healing and connection and self actualization, then, you know, maybe it is the answer. So what what is the acronym for awe for for you all? Because I know that you've kind of got this catchy little acronym that goes with it, that explains it really well of how to activate awe.
0: Yeah. So we, use the word awe a w e um and we created an acronym out of it and the the steps are um and i'll 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 talk it out um and then i'll i'll lead the listeners through a process um it is i'm also mindful that when i listen to the my podcasts i'm usually driving in the car so I want to just have the listener to you know give them a taste of this, but we're not going to do like a deeper experience because I don't want anyone to get in an accident and refer you to the book, The Power of Awe or our website, thepowerofawe.com where we have a lot of resources and videos and recorded uh, meditation on awe and, and ways to help you build your practice. And, and one of the neat things I love about our book is that we have 30 extended awe practices. So we are teaching people this quick method to find awe you know, right here, right now in the ordinary moments of our lives, but there's also a deeper practice that we can cultivate as well. So A stands for attention. And what we're doing is I'm inviting you to bring your full undivided attention to something you value, appreciate, and find amazing. And so wherever you are right now, if you're driving or you're at home or you're gardening or something and listening to this podcast, you you can find something that's within your visual field probably to be in awe of. And if you can't find anything that you're seeing, you can maybe go touch touch something with your hands and feel the sensations or the taste of a, of a warm cup of tea in your mouth. Um, also, you can use a memory. You can think of a memory of the past of, of a loved one that maybe is no longer with us. And to recall a memory that's special, that can be a moment of awe right now. And then the W stands for weight. So after we've identified and we're really being present with that one thing that we're bringing our full undivided attention to, we wanna give ourselves the gift of waiting and just being with, pausing with that moment of awe. And I know in our world today, we're all just so busy with our devices and always connected to things and our attention is so hard to even come by. And so by just waiting for a cycle or two of a breath, and really soaking this in, this moment of awe, you're really gifting yourself something special. I like to think of it with the analogy is, you know, you're let's say you're walking with a friend and they're first to get to a door, and then they pause and they hold the door open for you. And that feels so good, right? When someone takes the time to pause and to hold to, to caretake you, really. Well, we're doing in this pause moment, this waiting is we're caretaking ourselves. We're gifting ourselves this moment of a wait, of a pause. And then the E stands for uh, a long exhale out, longer than your inhale. And when we take a longer exhale out, and even if I just do that right now on this recording, you know, I'll, I'll make the sound of awe. <sighs> well, if, you want, if the listener wants to try that right now, it, it's very deeply relaxing. And actually, when we take a longer exhale out than our inhale, we stimulate our vagus nerve, which is that part of the parasympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight versus the rest and repair state. So at the very bottom of your diaphragm, the vagus nerve terminates. And that's where we can access and stimulate the vagus nerve in a very positive way, just by taking a long exhale out.
1: You know, can I interject that, for just a second?
0: Oh sure, yeah. You
1: talk about the exhale. It's it's funny because I didn't know why I was doing this. Now now I kind of realize. But even on days where I'm not really stressed or anxious, but I'll find myself sighing throughout the day. So I'm just be like, <sighs> you know, just like letting it all out. And my husband will say, "Why are you sighing?" And I said, and I I caught myself. I was like, "Huh." Something must be stressing me out. And I'm just naturally, my body is naturally releasing that stress. So it's interesting the science that you're talking about behind that. It makes sense now why I sigh. Well,
0: you're yeah, exactly. We have a lot of intelligence in our in our bodies and our physiology. And it is a way in which we can let go of that stress intention by just taking a deep inhale and a longer exhale out and just letting it go um, simply through a breath, yeah, it, it it's profound uh how quickly we can change our heart rate, our blood pressure, um our heart rate variability, which is um, you know, implicated in really good positive um heart health, what's called coherence. So, yeah, and then the the last part of the the E, the second part of it is uh expand. And so one of the aspects of a moment of awe, in terms of defining it as uniquely as emotion in terms of the science of this is is what the scientists call uh, perceptual vastness. And when we have a moment of awe, we may externally see something that's vast, let's say a really beautiful view that has expansiveness, but more importantly, a moment of awe will create an experience of vastness within ourselves. And I think that really ties into, Brittany, what you were talking about that kind of quality of love is that when we have a moment of awe, we experience expansion of vastness, and that vastness is a connection to, to the universe, to God, to all life on earth, You know, to, to people we care about. It doesn't really matter what you call it and the words you use, but they're, in the experience of awe, you experience your identity, your egoic self shrinking, getting smaller in a way, and then you you're the fuller bigger you expanding into the connectedness of all things so so it's that non-dual state that they often talk about in the spiritual traditions of feeling connected to everything and when we cultivate this awe method we really can use our own physiology to have a moment of expansion to let that moment of awe really fill us up let it get big so instead of let's say um, I'm having a moment of all right now with my cup, holding my cup of tea and looking down at the tea bag and the colors and the the feeling of the warmth through the cup. And I'm having that's my all moment. Well, I'm letting that really get big and letting that fill me up. Um, and some people do that, let's say through an imagery. They can let the maybe like see a light expanding in them, or you can you know just let that experience just soak into all almost all your tissue, so to speak. Um, it is somewhat challenging sometimes to explain the practice, I think, because um, it is a felt sense somewhat more than actually words, and it's often difficult to describe one's moments of awe. So what we're doing here is we're giving people training wheels is what we like to call it. The The awe method is helping people to develop a practice of building a muscle, so starting to find these moments of awe throughout their their day. And over time, what will happen as you master this practice is that you will develop the ability to have awe happen spontaneously. So you won't have to use the awe method anymore necessarily. It will, you'll have these moments of awe that will just bubble up throughout mm-hmm. your day. So in summary, why don't I just, I guess I'll talk people through the practice one more time and sure. kind of have a moment of awe and then we'll we'll, we'll keep sharing. So, So right now, wherever you are, if, again, if you're in a car, I, I have a lot of moments of awe at stoplights. You can just look at something in the space, maybe looking up at the sky or looking out your window if you're at home or a piece of art on the wall or a plant, or you can even have a moment of awe on the scissors on my desk here. <laughs> and just fully being with that that thing or the idea or the memory of that you value, you appreciate and find amazing. And then taking a pause, you're waiting, you're just giving yourself the full moment of really soaking that in. And on your next breath, take a regular inhale in and a longer exhale out and just letting that really expand and fill you up. And then maybe taking a moment to reflect and seeing how you feel right now. So how was that for you, Brittany?
1: I love that getting fixated on little things. Like I'm looking at the foam on my mic, right. And how it has all the little pockets in it and the lights catching some of the little crevices and making it sparkle just a little bit. It's, it's subtle things. Right. And it's, it reminds me of when I was a child and I would just like get so fixated on you know, you see babies with keys and things like that, that they are just so fixated on those and just in awe. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. It really doesn't, like you said, it doesn't take anything special. Anything can be special because defining something as special is all about your perception of it. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Correct. So, I love I love your description of what you're talking about. It, it really is the simplest of things. It, <laughs> the foam on your microphone and noticing the the filtering of light, maybe through the little matrix of the foam. That that's that is a powerful moment of awe, right there, to be in awe of and and really be fully in the moment of the sensation and the experience. And it what's beautiful is you're giving yourself a very significant reset of your nervous system in that moment. Um, you're really becoming you know fully present, you're quieting your thoughts um you're experiencing a deeper sense of peace and um you're you're rewiring your circuitry to be instead of distracted and you know in the space of the monkey mind and the racing mind that is we're basically all kind of living in that level of consciousness you're bringing yourself into that that transcendent state that, really the spiritual traditions of the world when we're meditating, we're chanting, um, we're doing, you know, embodied movement practices like yoga, like we're all trying to get to that state of, of deep presence, of connection, of oneness with our experience. And that's what awe does Awe brings us back to that. And that's beautiful that we can do that really anytime, any place, wherever we are.
1: Yeah. If you would have told me this five years ago, though, I would have laughed at you and I would have laughed because I would have never have been able to get into the state of awe because the whole time in my head, I'd be like, this is stupid. This is dumb. Like this isn't going to work. So I think having that openness and curiosity is critical or you're not going to be able to allow yourself to have that pause that you talked about. Right.
0: Yeah, Definitely um yeah it excites me because i feel as though there's a lot of attention right now on the emotion of awe and it feels as though collectively we're all evolving uh in in our humanity and we're we're coming back to really what is probably one of the most vital of all human emotions which is the emotion of awe and we've know from the research that America in particular, we're the most awe-starved culture on the planet. Most people just have one brief moment of awe a week, if even that, on average. And so what we know from our research is that these microdoses of awe have profound impact on our emotional and physical health. For example, in our two studies, so one of our studies we studied around uh, uh, close to 300 primary care patients at the height of the pandemic. The studies commenced in June of 2020 when people were really depressed and stressed out with not only the pandemic, but there was a lot of stress in the United States with the race riot stuff going on with George Floyd and all that. And we also studied this with close to 200 medical doctors and nurses at the front lines of the pandemic that were dealing with severe burnout and We know from our research that there was a 35% reduction of depression from simply asking people to practice this brief moment of awe three times a day. So we did a 21-day formal uh, teaching of the awe method to the participants in the studies. We did daily metrics as well as um, bigger pre- and post-measures and followed the the participants of the study and saw... Uh, As I stated, 35% reduction of anxiety, sorry, of depression, uh, about 24% reduction in anxiety levels, uh, decreases in chronic pain, decreases in loneliness, uh, decreases in burnout for the medical doctors and nurses. And this was a technique that we asked people to do for just less than one minute a day. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't have any side effects, so people that take medications for anxiety or depression, they're they deal with a lot of different side effects from those medications. Um, and it's really great to see that here's a mindfulness technique that that has pretty much equal efficacy to some of these traditional therapies for anxiety and depression without having any side effects. And it's free, it's widely available. You don't need a prescription for your doctor to practice awe.
1: Yeah. That's that's the best part, right? <laughs> we, we all like free stuff and quick stuff.
0: Well, yeah, it's and it's effective. It um, is very effective. Is, yeah. Yeah, it's very effective. And you feel good. I I um as a as a medical doctor who's prescribed a lot of medication over the years for anxiety and depression. Um the side effects that people often don't. They don't feel good necessarily from taking these medications and they're crucial they're important i mean i'm not i'm not here to bash medications i i prescribe med- medications i did yesterday to patients so it's a big part of my practice um is helping people through pharmacology but uh what i love about the aw method is that it is a medical tool that um is side effect free it's easy to practice takes less than one minute a day to get the benefit and we know from our research also the more you dose the more benefit you get so there's Mm -hmm. there's only upside of of dosing this more times throughout the day um and the practice evolves which I love you know I've talked to people who've been practicing now for over three years um since our original research and it's really special to hear how this has really been a gateway for a deeper spiritual practice for a lot of people
1: so let's talk about that because it almost seemed taboo to mix science and spirituality. And we're now starting to reintegrate that. And I think that's what people often forget is it was one and the same, you know, thousands of years ago. And it's only recently that we kind of divided the two, right? The spiritual being and the physical or mental, the material, if you will. So I, I I think it's fascinating to see how they're they're being reintegrated. You talked a lot about the decrease in anxiety and depression and things of that nature. Is there science to show how much faster someone can recover from, let's say, a surgery or an illness? Because I've heard of similar uh, studies in regards to patients being in a hospital room that has a view, right? They have a window so they can look out. Have they, have there been any studies done in regards to how quickly someone can recover faster from this?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, There, we did not do that in our research. We didn't, we don't have that information. Um, We didn't focus on that. And I don't know of any studies with awe in particular with, let's say, the speed of recovery from surgery. Um, but um, <clears throat> what is exciting is that we did have people in our research studies that were sick with cancer. Um, one participant, we talk about him in our book, we we share his story, but um, he was undergoing bone marrow transplant during the research study and was in a... Um, one of those uh, safe rooms where he, he couldn't be touched or, you know, accessed by anybody for about three weeks and was all alone um, while his immune system was undergoing its repair process. And he shared how much uh, creating what he called a wall of awe. So he had pictures on a wall next to his bed that were all on inspiring of, you know, people he loved or places he had been, and he shared how much it helped him to cultivate um, a, a quality of healing during his treatment um, versus being in that fear state. Because you know, being alone um, in a big hospital system is—it's scary—and not knowing your prognosis and what's going to happen with your cancer recovery is—it's—it's it's really frightening. It touches on what we call in our book existential anxiety. Um, you know, our mortality comes into play when we're very sick with cancer. And uh, he found that the method was a powerful way to help soothe that existential anxiety. We actually talk about that in our book and have a a section dedicated to how there's really not a lot that we can do around existential anxiety. Um, You know, people turn to religion um, to help soothe that. The fact that we're more mortal and life is temporary and We don't have a lot of control over the ultimate outcome of our lives um and when we connect with awe what's beautiful is we get out of that that worry state that anxious state and we get back to the present moment and we're really able to just be in that beauty the vastness the connectedness of all life on earth when we are cultivating awe and it's a very healing state to be in
1: yeah it really is powerful what are some examples? I know you have a lot of exercises and examples in the book. Would you mind just sharing a, a few before we wrap up?
0: Yeah. So um, well, I'd love to share uh, one thought before I share a few of those examples from the book about helping people to develop a, a practice of awe is to do what is called habit stacking. Um habit stacking is a term that's used sort of in the behavioral science world where if you're trying to learn a new behavior or a new habit, it's often helpful to stack it with the one that you already do throughout your day. So one way that I find really helpful, for example, is to, um, I have a moment of awe every morning when I first get up, when I'm making a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, if you're a tea person or or a juice person, we all usually start our day off with something to drink. So, use that as an opportunity to have a moment of awe. You can be in awe of opening a, a you know your tea bag um, and smelling the the aroma of that. Or I use a French press when I make coffee, and I just like love seeing the granules floating in the water and um, smelling the aroma and seeing the steam rise up. And I have a different aspect of a moment of awe, even though I do the same thing every morning. It's just really profound. It's a a great way to develop this practice. So I would encourage the listener to give this a 21-day try. We actually have a more formal program in our book. We talk about how to sort of build the awe muscle up, Um, but to really dedicate it uh, to practicing this for 21 days to sort of build a sustained practice. So instead of it being a temporary state, it becomes a, a trait of who you are. So, in terms of the extended practices in our book, um, one of the ones I really love, and I've heard feedback from people, is about you know giving a, a a very present, mindful, awe-inspired hug to somebody. And you know, so often when we we hug people, it's a very sort of quick, cursory thing, where we do a pat on the back, and we're not even we. We haven't even breathed into the hug. We'd like touch them, pat, and then we let go. And of course you probably want to let someone know you're going to do an awe hug right now, but <laughs> otherwise it might think you're a little bit weird holding on longer than that half a second, but it's really powerful to to share um, that connection with somebody and the awareness of, of having the hug be an awe hug. Um, that's, that's one of my favorite ones from the book. And uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> so it's, not being transactional in your actions is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, Again. exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as we're wrapping up, I did want to, if it's okay to to share one little passage from the book. Oh that, yes, please. Uh, it's from our epilogue, and we've shared a lot today about how. Awe is really, we've talked a lot about the the personal transformation that we can have from moments of awe. But um, what really excites me and my co-author Jake is the potential of having a greater impact um, far beyond the individual, but really on the planetary level. So I'll just share a few of our, our final paragraphs from the book. So the implications of awe go well beyond personal transformation. Awe touches everything. And perhaps most telling is the effect it has on others. We're wired to attune to others' behaviors and moods. Our nervous system senses the emotions of those around us. Just as being the recipient of a warm smile can lighten our mood, when we're in awe, those around us feel it too. Awe is contagious. And so practicing the awe method is one not so small way we can contribute to the world. In this book, we covered how the awe method is grounded in science, and that a whole body of science supports that awe changes lives. So we have a big, simple crash ending to the power behind the simple practice of the awe method. If practiced frequently enough by enough people, a critical mass as it were, everyone would experience a significant heightened shift in consciousness. Awe changes us, and when we share our awe, we change the world. How can we be in awe of someone and physically or emotionally harm them? How can we be in awe of the natural world and destroy it? How can we be in awe of life itself and not live as if every day were a miracle? In awe, the tone of every conversation from personal to political shifts from having an agenda to being open and curious. Our conversations impact how we raise our kids. How we help our aging parents, how we treat our spouse, how we participate in community, how we mentor or supervise people, how we govern a city, and how we lead a nation. We can think of no downside to practicing the awe method because awe is the light, the appreciation of nature and different cultures, the curious and open mind, the generous and giving soul. These days, we need awe more than ever. So awe awaits you and surrounds you in the ordinary moments of your life. Like the view of the stars that fill the night sky, awe is free and available. All you need to do is pay attention to what you value, appreciate, and find amazing. Wait. And then exhale and expand into the unlimited timelessness of awe. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. It makes me, um, when you're talking about the exchange and the interaction between others, I think of the movies, the Avatar movies, where they're like, I see you. You know, it's that honoring of the other being that is before you. And when we engage with other people, are we really seeing them? Are we really hearing them? Are we really in awe of just their being of you know all of us have worth and value but we tend to look at the surface the ego mind the identity that we've created and not be open to being in awe of their beingness their spiritual side if you will
0: yeah exactly um this is about really living in a different state of consciousness. Yeah, and um, it's uh, it takes us to. In our book, we we talk about levels of consciousness, and when we're in awe, we enter a state of what we call spacious consciousness, and that's that transcendent state that we're really aspiring to get to through these traditional religious or spiritual practices of chanting, meditating, prayer. Um that are, you know, we cultivate in the Judeo-Christian, you know, Islamic traditions, Buddhist traditions. And so what we love about this is it really is what we call in our book, we say a shortcut to transcendence. Um, and we were, we're kind of embarrassed to use that term, but, and we talk about that as we open our book, but really this practice is a shortcut to a transcendent state. Um, when we have a when we have a moment of awe, we, we feel that vastness and that connection to all life and the open heartedness, the love, um, the timelessness, deep peace, a warmth. It's it's a very um I can't think of a state that's really more healing, mm-hmm. um and loving and accepting to to really cultivate. Um and needed more than ever in the world yeah. that we're we're living in right now with with so many challenges. So um we think that this this practice really, as we talked about in the epilogue, will change the consciousness of the community around us. And in a more relaxed state, we can solve bigger problems more successfully. Um, so hopefully, out of these inspirations of awe, people will solve some of the, the some of the deeper divisions and climate crisis issues that we're facing. So. I am so grateful to be here today with you. And um, it's been
1: an honor. Just, Thank you. Yeah.
0: I'm in awe of the conversation and and grateful for the work you're doing out there in the world and spreading such healthy um, consciousness for those people that listen. And um, thanks for sharing the Awe Method as well with your your dear listeners.
1: It is my pleasure and it is an honor to have you on and thank you and your co-author, um, Jake, for doing all this work in this space and sharing this information with the rest of the world. Because like you said, it is critical at this point and I often find myself becoming overwhelmed with the thought of, are people going to be able to snap out of this mindset of go, go, go more, more, more to practice things that allow them to introspect and connect. And so seeing this um, kind of re-energizes me and gives me hope that it only takes mere seconds, a few times a day of this Micro dosing of mindfulness as you talk about it, um, that we can start changing the world through, you know, changing our view of the world essentially.
0: Yeah, that's very powerful.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. And for those of you who are interested in getting a copy of The Power of All, we have a direct link that we are going to put in the description of the show notes. And, uh, Awesome. Is there anything else, Michael, that you would like to share before we hop off?
0: Um, I just remind the listeners to, to really try this, um, gift yourself, this practice of awe mm. and, um, there's, there's no downside. There's no side effect and really awe is everywhere we go. It's always with us everywhere we go. We can be in line at the airport going through the TSA checkpoint and awe is there. So, um, try this practice out and see how it shifts your level of consciousness, your physiology and your health. And please reach out. I love to connect with our readers and you can find me at Michael at the power dot com or um, reach out to Jake as well. Uh, we love hearing from people and your inspiration. So thank you so much again, Brittany.
1: Fantastic. And we'll put those links in the show notes as well. Thank you again.